Could family genetics be a reason that no matter what we try, we still can't lose the fat and inches from our problem areas? To learn more, we spoke to Dr. Brian Strand from Sonobello. While some people can eat everything and stay thin, others diet and exercise daily and still pack on fat and inches to their problem areas. It's not your fault. It can be genetics. If you struggle to lose the fat from your tummy, love handles, thighs, and back, you're likely battling your family genetics. The good news is we have an answer. Sonabello uses a remarkable technique called microlaser fat removal. In one comfortable visit, the fat in your hardest places to lose is gone permanently. Stop wrestling with your family genes and lose the fat permanently. And right now, you can save $250. The results are life-changing. Do this for you. Don't wait. Visit sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. Whether you're a skeptic or a believer, join me, Rob McConnell, as together we'll investigate the world of the paranormal and the science of parapsychology here on the Exxon Radio TV show on XZBN and the Exxon TV channel on Simul TV. Since 1990, the Exxon Radio TV show has been the place where people dare to believe and dare to be heard. Together, we'll investigate UFOs, aliens, ghosts, Bigfoot, psychic phenomena, lake monsters, conspiracy theories, government cover-ups, the truth embargo, alien abductions, ESP, haunted locations from around the world, and so much more. With over 28 years of broadcasting and more than 4,500 individual guests, The X-Zone is truly a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality, as evidenced by the credibility, integrity, and professionalism of the guests that we bring to our international audience. If you have seen a UFO, had a close encounter, seen a ghost, Bigfoot, lake monster, or a story that you would like to share or have investigated, contact me, Rob McConnell by sending me your email to xzone at xzoneradiotv.com or you can call toll-free 1-800-610-7035, extension 143, and on Skype, Exxon Radio TV. For more information on the Exxon Radio TV show with yours truly, Rob McConnell, visit www.exzoneradiotv.com or www.xzonetvchannel.com or simultv.com and xzbn.net. Until next we meet here in the X-Zone from our broadcast center and studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Always remember X-Zone Nation. Keep your eyes to the sky and your heart in the light. This is A Different Perspective with Kevin Randall. A retired U.S. Lieutenant Colonel, Kevin Randall has been studying UFOs for nearly 50 years. Kevin has investigated some of the most famous UFO cases in the world and has been consulted for dozens of documentaries about UFOs. Considered one of the leading experts into the Roswell UFO crash of 1947, Kevin has written more than 25 books about UFOs, including the recently published Roswell in the 21st century. Now, here is the host of A Different Perspective, Kevin Randall. 
Well, thanks for that wonderful introduction that I've never heard before. Just thought I'd mention that. Uh, before I bring Calvin Parker on, whom I promised last time I would hopefully have for the program, I want to make a couple of comments about our last show with uh, Christopher Montgomery. Those of you who thought I was extraordinarily mean to him, I wanted to point out that, A, he was saying things about me that were not true in both the X-Zone uh, radio program hosted by Rob McConnell and in his own book, and I thought it only fair that I addressed those sorts of things. I did send him an email the following day and suggested that maybe we should finish the program because he had hung up uh, early. He said, no, he hadn't hung up, that it was disconnected, but we know that the disconnect, it was not a service interruption, it was a disconnection at his end. So I was going to bring him back on and let him discuss that uh, last, last week. But uh, after his initial excitement about this and his saying that he needed to read a statement on the air and that he would uh, and he wanted all the questions forwarded to him, I said, no, you'll read no statement. And I sent him a long list of stuff. Um, never heard from him again. So I thought I would just mention that. But the point of it was he thought it was unfair of me to attack his book, shred his book. Uh, but if you go through his book and you listen to some of the things he'd said in the past, uh, you realized all I was doing was responding to what he had said about me, things that I knew were not true, and if he claimed to have sources saying they were true, then he was, his sources were wrong. Anyway, that's uh, in the past. This week we're going to talk to Calvin Parker. Uh, on October 11, 1973, 19-year-old Calvin Parker and his friend, 42-year-old Charles Hickson, and I'll mention here that I did speak to Charles Hickson a couple of times, were spending a frustrating evening fishing on the Pascagoula River in Mississippi. In the early evening, both men were startled when a strange craft descended and hovered a few feet above the ground and just a few yards from their location. Before they had any chance to run, an opening appeared in the craft and outfloated three humanoid creatures, although humanoid might not be quite right because it seemed like the legs were fused together, but that's just a matter of semantics, I suppose. Both uh, were absolutely terrified when these creatures grabbed them and took them aboard the craft. On the craft, both men were subjected to an examination. Minutes later, both Parker and Hickson were dropped back in, onto the riverbank, and the craft departed. Taking off in their car, the two terrified witnesses eventually located a public telephone, and a short time later, they were being interviewed by the local sheriff's office. The two told their story of their close encounter. The next day, all hell broke loose as the press descended on the unsuspecting Mississippi town. Parker, seriously disturbed by these events, and I certainly understand that, has largely remained in the background without ever detailing the full account of what happened that night, how it affected him and his life and other close encounters he has had experienced down the years. Now, for the first time, Parker will tell his story in his book, The Closest Encounter, and he'll probably be tell part of it today. Uh, uh, on, on the record, the book features for the first time the full transcript of Calvin Parker's hypnotic regression session uh, with the late Bud Hopkins. Calvin Parker, welcome to A Different Perspective. Thank you. Enjoy <laughs> being here today. Beautiful day. <laughs> not here it's not, but maybe it is there. Oh, really? 80 <laughs> degrees here, 75 degrees, really. Yeah, it's rainy and dark and drizzly here. Yeah. Um. Gave you a bit of an introduction here about uh, your experiences. Anything you'd like to add to that about uh, what happened specifically that night? Well, 
it's really a lot that we could add to it. You know, we got where we was abducted and then the after effect where we was at the sheriff department, the secret tapes and all that. But uh, By secret you, tapes? What do you mean secret tapes? The sheriff department had put a, uh, when they was interrogating us, they separated us, put us in two different rooms. And then uh, they put us in one room and little did we know there was a tape recorder in this room where they was taping our conversations, trying to catch us, you know, laughing or saying that this was a hoax or something. But little did they realize, you know, this is what really convinced them that this was true because they could hear the fear and we was talking to each other. And, uh, you know, you could hear the fear in both our voices and all. And that's when they really got convinced that something did happen. They didn't ever state or we didn't ever say what happened, but they said something happened. So you were interrogated by the local law enforcement. We uh, were. Did they contact, um, was it Jim Harder and Alan Hynek who uh, came down to Pascagoula? Well, what had happened, it hit the media the next day. Now, we had asked them to keep it quiet. But apparently they had scanners or something. They was the media didn't listen in. Well, when we got to work the next day, it was a media frenzy. It was several hundred reporters there at our job. They had to shut down their phones because the phones kept ringing. So uh, something like that, the news traveled to California somehow. It could have been Kiesler that contacted them. And uh, Dr. Heineck found out that way, and they flew down. Dr. Heineck and Dr. Harder flew on their own dime down here to give us a, uh, to talk to us and to give us an examination. Were uh, Harder and uh, Heineck the first UFO investigators to chat with you? They were. Uh, the rest of it was just like the Air Force and the local sheriff department here. But they was the first real, I guess you would call them uologists or anything that uh, had come down to talk to us, you know, right after this happened, the next very next day. You said the Air Force. Now, this was 1973, and Project Blue Book had ended four years earlier. Was was You say there were Air Force people that interrogated you as well? It was. But, you know, they let us... What happened, they took us to uh, Kiesler Air Force Base to check us for radiation. So while they was checking us for radiation, they asked us to go to the back when they found out we was all clear. Well, then that's when they started asking us questions. And it was, you know, several Air Force officials there. So they could have they could have phoned Heineck. Somebody might have known him through that or something. But, you know, you know, like you say, Project Blue Book was over way before that. Well, there were, there were still other official investigations going on that were secret, but uh, Heineck having been the consultant, and Heineck now, I guess, having changed his mind and about to start the Center for UFO Studies, probably uh, heard the story on the news media and came down to chat with you about it. He probably did. He was really serious when he was down here. I mean, he... You ever seen just a dead serious guy when he looks you in the eyes you know that he's looking for the truth. That that was Heineck. What was your impression of Harder? Harder was a real quiet man, but he was this type. 
that like facts, and he studied every little fact. He uh, gave us a physical exam. He talked to us for our, uh, I guess, our mental thing right there and tried to hypnotize me. He couldn't hypnotize me, but he did Charlie. And he examined our body for marks, and that, he's the one that found the first puncture marks on our arms. And that wasn't something that came out originally, was it? I mean, through the media and anything, uh, that's something that's been kind of hidden from, from uh, public view? Well, it it was under hat. You know, I we really didn't see no need to tell the mate, or I didn't. I can't speak for Charlie. He's dead. But uh, I couldn't see no need to tell the media anything because at that point in my life, I hated the media. They destroyed my whole life. Uh, that opens up a whole nother area of questioning that I don't want. Geico asks, how would you love a chance to save some money on insurance? Of course you would. And when it comes to great rates on insurance, Geico can help. Like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV. Even help with homeowners or renters coverage. Plus, add an easy-to-use mobile app, available 24-hour roadside assistance and more, and GEICO is an easy choice. Switch today and see all the ways you could save. It's easy. Simply go to GEICO.com or contact your local agent today. Could family genetics be a reason that no matter what we try, we still can't lose the fat and inches from our problem areas? To learn more, we spoke to Dr. Brian Strand from Sonobello. While some people can eat everything and stay thin, others diet and exercise daily and still pack on fat and inches to their problem areas. It's not your fault. It can be genetics. If you struggle to lose the fat from your tummy, love handles, thighs, and back, you're likely battling your family genetics. The good news is we have an answer. Sonobello uses a remarkable technique called microlaser fat removal. In one comfortable visit, the fat in your hardest places to lose is gone permanently. Stop wrestling with your family genes and lose the fat permanently. And right now, you can save $250. The results are life-changing. Do this for you. Don't wait. Visit sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. I want to get into right at the moment. <laughs> I, I did want to talk yes, to you sir. about the effect on your life as, 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 it, as it went on. Um, but I also wanted to get more into what uh, happened on board the ship or what you could remember about that and how all of that came about. I know that originally you were very reluctant to talk about it and everything kind of funneled through um, Charlie Hickson. Yes, sir. Well, um, the day that this happened, we had got off work and uh, he wanted to go fishing and I, well, I did too. So we went to the river where he normally fishes. It's an old shipyard, the Shaw Peter shipyard that was abandoned. And we were sitting there fishing, and I remember looking across the river at an old steel ship wondering, you know, it's amazing. We build these ships, but how do they float made out of steel? And that's what I was thinking. And then I noticed some blue lights coming in from behind me, and it looked like a patrol car because we was actually trespassing on private property. And I was thinking, well, they down here to run us off. But when we stood up and turned around, the bright, the light got so bright it just blinded you almost. And okay, let me let me interrupt you here because I'm going to have to take a break. Uh, okay. 
and we'll get back to you and get you get you on board the ship and explore some of these other things in just a few minutes. Uh, for more, more information later on, take a look at www.kevinrandall.blogspot.com because there'll be a little bit more information there and some links to other things. I will be back in just a few minutes with Calvin Parker talking about his abduction in 1973 with Charles Hickson became kind of the rage of, uh, I guess, the fall of 1973. We will return in just a few minutes. It's hard to listen to the news without realizing we're living in volatile, unprecedented times. Yet never has there been such an opportunity to transform the human condition. As old structures fail, where can we find the guidance to co-create a better way? Find Your Path Home is an ever-evolving, leading-edge information, education, and healing resource center designed to support and guide you on your path to unity and enlightenment. Based on sound principles employed by Shaman Worldwide, we provide techniques that can support you through the current transitions, offering online shamanic classes, international long-distance shamanic healing sessions, complimentary Mission Evolution radio episodes and Stairway to Heaven TV vignettes, seminars, retreats, and much more. All of this can be found on findyourpathhome.com. So I was watching the X-Zone TV channel last night when I was abducted by aliens and they kept repeating to me over and over again, simultv.com, simultv.com. What's simultv.com? That's what I asked them. They had it written on the side of their UFO. How do you spell that? UFO. No, I mean simultv.com. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. Right. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. Interesting that you were abducted by aliens in a simultv.com UFO last night. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Now that you mention it, I remember now last night, I was awakened from a deep sleep. My great-grandmother was standing there. She said she'd come from the hereafter to tell me about Simultv.com. She even spelled it out for me. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com, sonny boy. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com, sonny boy. Wow. Yeah. Guys, you'll never guess what my psychic guru just told me. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. Exactly. Are you guys psychic too? Of course. We all know about Simultv.com. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. Well, this is uh, fooling me. I didn't know this was the real bumper music, but I am back. I am Kevin Randall. I am joined by Calvin Parker. I almost said Charles Hickson. I notes in front of me screwed me up there. Calvin Parker, we're talking about his abduction in 1973. And when we left, you were seeing the blue lights and they were very, very bright. So take it away from there. So we was facing the river. So we stood up and turned around. That's when the light got bright. And what it was, was a door opening on this craft that we seen. And there was three figures coming out. And they come out and approached us and got us by the arm and more or less levitated us. Now, I'm speaking for myself because I was in front of Charlie, levitated me and uh, got us to the door. And I remember looking in here to look at the lights and all, see where they was coming from. But it was coming out of the walls. Looked like it was just glowing out of the paint. And that's the one thing that really stuck in my mind all these years. 
Then he kind of made a left turn and a right turn. It was one creature that had a hold of me. And they laid, us on, laid me on an examination table at about a 45-degree angle, and there was something about the size of a deck of cards that came down, and it just circled my head. It clicked four times on each side, circling my head, and then it went back up into the wall. And that's when the old big ugly creature that had me kind of backed up to the wall and this other one come out of another little department. Now, I, can't, I couldn't do nothing but kind of roll my head and my eyeballs a little. But it appeared to be a female. And the reason I say that, because it was smaller made and looked more human than, uh, more like a human than what this other one did. This other one was kind of robotic. So... What, what I think I think the description was that the legs were fused together, but it had arms that moved, and it had a kind of a helmet-like head on it with um, pointed nose and pointed ears or something like that? Yes, sir. Now, I didn't see the... Charlie seen the nose and the ears, you know, all it screwed out, pointed out. I didn't see them. My vision was blurred from the way that he had me and all the lights. And, so you're laying you're laying on this table now, and you say a small a smaller entity came out, and it was um, more human like. How was it more human like? Well, uh, just the features. She had nose, ears, uh, fingers. The other one had like mittens on. Now this one had fingers, but the only difference in her fingers with me is her two middle fingers. Her two fingers was a little longer. But I later on found out why. She kind of reached over and grabbed me by the cheek and felt my skin. Then she run them fingers down my throat and past that little thing that hangs down in the back and try to come up in my nasal cavities. And I started choking and uh, bleeding. And, and that scared me. When it did, she, you know, she just kind of backed out of the way and made a mumbling noise and that other one come back in. Um, now let me let me stop you and ask you a question here because back in 1973, as this was being broadcast or uh, printed about, it said that you had been so frightened you had passed out and you couldn't remember anything that went on on the ship. Now is this something you consciously remembered but refused to tell about, or did this come about after uh, hypnotic regressions? No, I remembered all along. The deal was when I got off the ship. I had asked Charlie not to tell nobody. I was fixing to get married, had a new job, didn't want to lose it. And uh, I had a lot to look forward to. And I knew if people think that you was crazy or something, and I had a lot of them think that I was drunk and passed out and everything else, then I had uh, talk about this thing. So I just kept it under hat. I've never talked about it to my family, my friends, my neighbors, my Nobody, not even my wife, knew about. They'd go to asking me something, and I'd just clam up and not say nothing. So the, the story that you had passed out and couldn't remember anything, that was a cover so that you didn't have to really talk about this and kind of left the whole, I guess, burden on, on Charlie uh, to talk about it. I did, and, you know, we had agreed not to talk about it to nobody. But when we left the site, he told me, of course, there was no cell phones back in. He asked me to pull over at a little store, and there was a pay phone there. And he got out, and I thought he was going to call his family. But he called uh, 
Kiesler Air Force Base and started telling them what happened. They said they don't deal with this stuff anymore to call the local sheriff department for Jackson County. And then he called them, and that's what started everything right there. And uh, that got Charlie and I where we wouldn't even speak later on. Okay, well, let's get back to the ship here. because um, So you're been examined on the ship. You were choking because of the, the examination and the female left and uh, one of the other creatures came in. Was was that the end of the um, examination or did they, it was did something else go on? No, uh, she kind of communicated with me. I didn't see her mouth move, but it could have. But to me, she telepathically told me, don't be afraid. But, uh, you know, I, it was too late to tell me that. Then when that big, ugly creature came back in, she, uh, he grabbed me by the arm, and I felt another injection. And that just kind of settled me down a little till I got back out to the river. He carried me back out to the same spot that he picked us up in almost. My arms was outstretched to the river. And by the time they backed off, the, the, the bright lights went out. I was able to turn around. Charlie said, Calvin, Calvin, you okay, son? And I turned around and looked, and this thing picked up off the ground a little ways and just shot up into the sky like a rocket. I mean, it was so fast that it was hard to see. But the blue lights were still going on, but it just kind of disappeared. Well, let me ask you, um, Did inside the ship, did you see anything else besides just the, the, the table you were examined on and the thing that came down and examined you? Were there any evidences of, of uh, um, instrumentation or anything else you saw? No, sir, I didn't. And, and I did, like I say, I couldn't really move. I could turn my head and look, but I didn't see anything that uh, resembled instruments or a control room or anything like that. Um, this female creature, uh, I guess, um, I'm still a little hes hesitant on that. Uh, you said that she was smaller than the big ugly guys and she looked more human. Um, can you, can you refine that at all? Well, her skin color and all was real pale. Her eyes, you know, you've seen, I've, since I've done the book, I've looked. The future will be amazing. And that's all well and good. But what about today? You can feel the rush of a 400-horsepower Nissan Z. Or climb to new heights in the all-terrain Nissan Frontier. Light up the road in the all-electric Nissan Aria that feels like a sci-fi dream come true. The future will be great, but today is made for thrill. All you have to do is get in a Nissan and drive. 2023 Aria and Z not yet available for purchase. Expected availability is this spring for 2023 Z and this fall for 2023 Aria. The paper has these aliens with the big eyes. Hers look normal, just kind of like ours, maybe even a little smaller. Uh, but her facial features, she had ears, she had eyes, she had a mouth and nose. And uh, I didn't notice the hair. I didn't notice that she had a hat on or what she had on a cover. But I'm in the process now. I've got an artist, and I'm trying to detail it out to him and let him draw it out so I can release that. Okay, so uh, how long were you on the ship? That's really hard to say. Uh, we didn't have watches because we worked around steel and had used sledgehammers all day. But 
just estimating it looked like about 45 minutes. I, when, when I talked to Charlie Hickson, he said that he had troubles with watches and things like that. He, he, they, he'd put them on and they'd stop or they would break. Is that, did he tell you that or is that something that was accurate? Well, he told me that, but the reason why, we worked in a shipyard of shipfitters and you used a sledgehammer and a cutting torch and you had them in bad places all day. And uh, I think that was probably the reasons because I went through a watch while I was there the first day. But, you know, it could be true. It might just be on him. Okay, so Charlie's first reaction was called Kessler Air Force Base, and they said, which is what they were instructed to say back those days, uh, if you feel threatened, call the local law enforcement. So that's what you did, or what he yes. did. And then he said, let's go to the sheriff's office. No, the, actually, the sheriff's office sent two patrol officers out to where we were. They told him on the phone, do not move. You know, I guess they figured we was drinking or something. They didn't want us on the road. So they, <laughs> about 10 minutes, they sent two officers out. One of them walked up on my side of the car and uh, looked in, looked around a little bit, asked if he could look in the car, and I told him, yeah had me step out. He said, now, I want you to stand on one foot, bend your head back, touch your nose, and jump up and down. I said, man, I can't do that if I'm sober, much less if I'm drunk. So he just laughed. He said, well, can you walk this line? But I stood on one foot, turned my head back, jumped up and down. And then they didn't have the little breathalyzer test with them until they got us to the sheriff's department. He said, well, you're good enough to drive. Follow me to the sheriff's department. They checked us for alcohol, and then later on, they did blood work at the hospital that proved we weren't on drugs or alcohol or anything. Okay. Uh, we're going to have to take another break here. The book by Calvin Parker is Pascagoula, The Closest Encounter, and this is, uh, I guess, the time, first time he's really told the entire tale of what happened during the abduction in October of 1973. It uh, is. You can find you can find my books at uh, Amazon.com, of course. Uh, Roswell in the 21st Century: A Reexamination of the Case, and uh, Encounter in the Desert, which is about the Socorro UFO landing, which we had talked about on this program with a number of different people in the past. And what, as I say, there's always something available at www.kevinrandall.blogspot.com that may uh, point you in a direction to learn a little bit more about this specific case or other things that will interest you. We will be back with Calvin Parker in just a moment. We're going to talk about how this thing affected his life when we come back. Uh, so stick around. They are here, and they've been here for thousands of years, making their presence known in the shadows. They might be seen by a lonely motorist on a deserted road late at night, or by a frightened and confused husband in the bedroom he is sharing with his wife. But who are they? What do they want? Why are they here? Perhaps most concerning, has the government been aware of their presence all along? 
The new book by Ellie Marzulli, UFO Disclosure, The 70-Year Cover-Up Exposed, delves into the world of UFOs. Can full disclosure be soon? Order now and receive a free hour and 37-minute DVD on the UFO phenomenon, UFOs Are Real. Get both the book and the DVD, a $40 value, for only $19.99. To order your book and DVD today, go to lamarzuli.net. That's L-A-M-A-R-Z-U-L-L-I.net. Rob McConnell here, presenting an overview for Nicholas Paul Jennings, author of a fascinating book, Amen. It presents facts revealed by Egyptologists, facts that enable us to understand why Amen is the beginning of creation of God. It provides recommendations for religious leaders of the major religions to unify their beliefs and teach the Word of God, love one another. Amen informs people how mankind conceived God. It was the Egyptians that developed the concepts of a soul, a hereafter, and son of God, and finally, after the worship of many gods, they conceived the belief in one universal God, the maker of all there is. For more information, visit www.futureofgodamen.com. That's www.futureofgodamen.com. You have heard of the X-Zone? Now watch it on TV plus 500 video games, live TV channels, free video on demand, worldwide, and more. Does this sound like tomorrow's television? Well, it is, but you can have it today, right now. It is Simul TV. Simul TV offers what the others only wish they could provide. 15 exclusive channels like Exxon, Sci-Fi, and Horror. We are worldwide. No other provider offers that. 500 built-in video games. No need to have an extra expensive system. We have them included. Free video on demand. Live streaming events from around the world. Interactive online network and much more. Tomorrow's TV today. Simul TV. Sound too good to be true? Well, it's not. You can have Simul TV today. Sign up at simultv.com. Do it today. And I am back with Calvin Parker. We've been talking about his encounter, the closest encounter uh, of the Pascagoula landing back in 1973. When we went away, uh, I had mentioned that we were going to talk about how this affected his life, something that, that Calvin had brought up uh, a little bit earlier. So, Calvin, the story comes out. Everybody knows about it. What is the impact on you? Well, the first thing that happened is when we got back to the shipyard, they said, we can't conduct business with y'all on the shipyard. Was We lost our jobs, pretty much what happened. And so I went back to Mississippi. And by the time I got back there, my family and all, they was asking about it and all. Told them I didn't want to talk about it. Didn't want to say nothing. But uh, it made it hard to find another job like I wanted. My, my career was settled down to getting married, buying a house having the same job for 30 years or 50 and retiring and having grandchildren. But none of that worked out because I had to move around. I drifted around in the oil field and construction for years. So, uh, but you know, most of the people 
people that I worked with knew me, and they never really wanted to talk about it, but the press would show up on the job sometime, especially when I was in the oil field and this first happened, and they would actually cost my job because, you know, I would... I wouldn't give them an interview and they'd get mad. And if you did give them an interview, they would change it. It wasn't nothing like you said. So I just didn't talk to them. So you're, you're suggesting that um, the media didn't fairly represent what you had said to them uh, about, the, uh, about the abduction? Absolutely not. You know, it was bad enough like it was. But they wanted to add to it and make it worse, I guess, to uh, kind of boost their stories or something. I don't know. But it would have been fine. They just told the truth. What sort of, what sort of things would they add? And, 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 and people, this is not what the story is. It's what was added by the media. Um, so what, what sort of things would they add? Well, one of, one of the first things that happened when I got back, I woke up one morning read the paper where I had a nervous breakdown. They had me locked up in a mental institute. That was so far from the truth. What I was doing, I was getting up and going to work like I normally would. And then uh, they would add to uh, how many creatures it was. You know, instead of three, one of them had six coming up to get us and just different things like that. Just stuff that was absolutely not true. But you had a habit of really not talking to the media. I didn't, no, sir, I wouldn't talk to him. Matter of fact, I had one of them approach me and I took his camera away and, and, and throwed it across the field over there. So, that probably didn't make him happy. No, and it didn't make none of them happy because, <laughs> of, you know, when Charlie took the other option, he went, he went on and talked about this and dealt, I guess he dealt with it in a different way than what I did. Well, do you think your age had anything to do with that? My age had everything to do with it. Uh, I still wouldn't have wanted to be interviewed by the media. But uh, at that time, I was young, and, and I just didn't know how to handle a lot of people. You know, I didn't have it, much of any kind of education. And I didn't like most people to start with. I didn't want to be around other people except for... Um, the people I work with and my family. Well, one of the problems with the case, as you probably know, is that for the longest time there was no corroborative witnesses. That nobody had come forward and seen the same thing you did. Yes. I understand. I understand. There's now um, uh, a woman named Maria and her husband Vernon Blair, and they they say that they were on the other side of the river and saw the saw the blue lights. Uh, and you've met those people, right? Yes, sir. I just went down. Uh, last week and talked to them and got to meet them and all. And, you know, they sound real believable to me. I mean, I'm not here to doubt nobody, but these two, uh, especially her, she's been hiding this for years, said ever since it's happened. And when she met me, she broke down crying over there. And uh, we sat there and talked and I autographed a book and gave to her and you know, we're still in touch a little bit here and there on the through Facebook. What what did she say she saw? She was across the river, and uh, she's actually seen the craft and the lights when it sat down over there. Now, uh, then 
she said she had told me that as they was walking to the uh, her husband was asleep in the car and she was walking back to the car she got out to look she heard a noise or a splash in the water now i really hadn't talked to her in very much detail about it it was just a brief meeting we had but uh philip had a uh, lady to interview her in depth and i'm gonna philip, sit down and philip read. philip is philip mantle for for the audience right. out there philip mantle so uh, how did uh, you learn about her, or how did Philip learn about her? Where, where did she? How did she surface? I actually did a. Uh, the Fox Ten News came down and just filmed a little brief thing on me there, and uh, she made a comment in one of the uh, comment sections. Uh, her daughter had made a comment. Trace made the comment that her mother seen this and had talked about it for years and years and years. Well, Philip Mantle took that and he ran with it because he is a, he searches for facts. So he called Trace and found out how to get in touch with uh, her mom. And that's where it all started right there. Why did she not say anything? I mean, this was national news. Why didn't she come forward before? Her husband wouldn't let her. He said, everybody's gonna think you crazy. And I'm not going to go through that. And he sat out there and admitted that the other day because I asked her the same question, you know. I've been hunting the truth for 45 years, over 45 years now. Why didn't you come forward with this? But her husband wouldn't let her. And uh, so you got in touch to her basically through Facebook then, or through her daughter yes. on Facebook. Uh-huh. And... Had she read anything about um, this case and after, after it happened? I mean, during the years when it was reported in various books and whatnot, or did she uh, stay away from it? I don't know. I don't think she did. I don't think she really kept up with it. She told me she's always wondered, you know, what had happened to me, and, you know, me kind of disappearing and all. But I think the first thing she really read was, the, uh, and I don't think she read the book yet. She might have it now, but was watching the news and started seeing me in the local news down here because I do a lot of volunteer work around here for uh, the county and all that uh, and city of Pascagoula because I felt like I owe them something through the years just up and disappearing. So, you know, I try to do what they need me to do. And so she got in touch with you, and she explained she had seen the same craft and the same blue lights, and but she didn't see anything. She didn't see you guys being floated into the ship or anything like that, did she? No, I don't think she did. Like I say, I hadn't read the whole details on it. Uh, and there's also other witnesses that came forward. There was a crane operator over to the shipyard said he seen it when it sat down. Now why all these people didn't call the law and send them to my rescue, I don't know, but... Uh, yeah, that's kind of strange. Um, if you've got a bunch of witnesses and this becomes national news, you think the implication would be to phone the news media or somebody and say, yeah, I saw the same thing, but I know with the um, Socorro case uh, and my book, Encounters in the Desert, Encounter in the Desert, um, we know of at least three different people that saw the craft in the sky before Lonnie Zamora saw it land in Socorro and none of them have ever come forward and we can document that based on the reports that were in the um, 
uh, Project Blue Book files taken that very night. The three people had called the police to say, hey, we saw this thing. Nobody ever followed up on that, which is just absolutely stunning. So when you say to me there were other witnesses and they didn't call the media, I'm not that surprised anymore. No, but then I got to thinking and wondering about it myself. Back in the 70s, there weren't cell phones available like it is now. Everybody and their kids, six years old and up, has cell phones now. Back in, nobody had them because I got one one time and it cost me $600 in a week and they had to come take it away from me. Why so, did they take it away from you? Because I didn't pay my bill. They turned it off. <laughs> well, I, 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 I didn't thought, want you to have to admit that. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know. Uh, I didn't talk, but very little on it. I figured the more this thing's neat, and I got it. $600 later, I didn't have a phone no more. <laughs> so uh, there are other witnesses that you're aware of. Are some of those uh, mentioned in the book? Not yet. Uh, Philip's going to do a, uh, not write another book, but he's going to do an extension on the book and make a smaller version of it and put all the witnesses in there and even put their contact information in there. Well, we're going to have we're going to have to take another break and we will return with Calvin Park, Parker and kind of wrap this thing up, see what else we can learn about his abduction back in 1973 and what he um, did uh, with his life uh, in the intervening years and that sort of thing. Once again, it's uh, www.kevinrandall.blogspot.com and for those of you interested in the paranormal, of course, there's the X-Zone Broadcast Network, xzbn.net, uh, where you can take a look at um, other aspects of the paranormal and maybe find some programs that will be exciting to you and lo look into the past of my programs and, of course, the uh, ever-popular X-Zone Broadcast, uh, X-Zone Radio by Rob McConnell that we always forget to mention. But once again, I will be back here for or to talk a little bit more with Calvin Parker about his abduction from 1973, so stick around. They're here, and they've been here for thousands of years, making their presence known in the shadows. They might be seen by a lonely motorist on a deserted road late at night, or by a frightened and confused husband in the bedroom he is sharing with his wife. But who are they? What do they want? Why are they here? Perhaps most concerning, has the government been aware of their presence all along? The new book by Ellie Marzulli, UFO Disclosure, The 70-Year Cover-Up Exposed, delves into the world of UFOs. Can full disclosure be soon? Order now and receive a free hour and 37-minute DVD on the UFO phenomenon, UFOs Are Real. Get both the book and the DVD, a $40 value, for only $19.99. To order your book and DVD today, go to lamarzulli.net. That's L-A-M-A-R-Z-U-L-L-I.net. So I was watching the X-Zone TV channel last night when I was abducted by aliens and they kept repeating to me over and over again, Simultv.com, Simultv.com. What's Simultv.com? That's what I asked them. They had it written on the side of their UFO. How do you spell that? UFO. No, I mean Simultv.com. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. Right. 
SIMULTV.com. Interesting that you were abducted by aliens in a SIMULTV.com UFO last night. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Now that you mention it, I remember now last night I was awakened from a deep sleep. My great-grandmother was standing there. She said she'd come from the hereafter to tell me about SIMULTV.com. She even spelled it out for me. SIMULTV.com, Sonny Boy. SIMULTV.com. SIMULTV.com, Sonny Boy. Wow. Yeah. Guys, you'll never guess what my psychic guru just told me. SIMULTV.com. Exactly. Are you guys psychic too? Of course. We all know about SIMULTV.com. SIMULTV.com. I am back with Calvin Parker. The book is Pascagoula, The Closest Encounter. It's his story. He's telling you about his experiences during the abduction, which uh, he kept quiet about for decades, I guess. Um, so you talked about there are additional witnesses. There's going to be an updated version of the book now that uh, will include some of those witnesses in it uh, with their contact information? Yes, sir. That's correct. Have you talked to many of these people other than um, Maria? I, I have. I've actually... Uh, the One other guy, the crane I operated that came forward... I went to a book signing in Pascagoula, and we sat there and talked a long time, and I just kind of blew him off. But he was telling me that, it, you know, he had seen something, but it was a little hard of hearing. So I just, you know, it's hard to talk to somebody like that, you know, for me right now. And then there was another lady there that I had talked to and said something. But they, uh, they just saw the, the, did they see lights or did they see an actual craft? Uh, the crane operator seen the actual craft. Now, I hadn't got uh, the interview back from him yet, but uh, I'm, when she gets it done, it's another lady doing them. I'm going to read it and see, you know, see what all it is to them. Well, I've, I noticed here that you had done hypnotic regression. Yes, sir. Uh, with, with Bud Hopkins. That's uh, correct. And uh, Jim Harder had no luck in getting you under hypnotic uh into a hypnotic state, apparently, from what you said. No, sir, he didn't. He tried, did, but he had to bring me right out. Did um, you learn anything more about it during the session with Hopkins that you didn't remember consciously? Did anything else come out? Oh, gosh, yeah. What happened, Bud put a post-hypnotic suggestion in my head that I wouldn't remember any of this till I was able to remember. There was another incident in 93, and it it'll take two hours to tell you about that. But I didn't remember nothing about it. And then one day, Linda Moulton Howe uh, had read the book. Well, when we when I done the book, I had mentioned to the publisher, Philip Mantle, that uh, I had seen Bud Hopkins. He tried to hypnotize me, and he never did. So he sent off to, uh, he said, well, Bud has passed away now, but Dr. Jacobs has the, his tapes. He sent off and got the original tape where Bud had hypnotized me. He transcribed it out into the book. So when uh, when I started reading on it, it was shocking. I didn't even realize I was hypnotized. Then he sent me a copy of the tape disc, and I started listening to it. I went out and told my wife. I said, you know, I didn't know I was hypnotized. I thought all that was just crazy bull. And uh, I said, but I really was. Because I remember telling Bud, you know, I got a friend standing here with a ball bat. 
I don't want to make a floor show like they do in Las Vegas out of this. Don't put nothing in my head that wasn't there. Don't add nothing to it or nothing. And he didn't. I listened to the whole tape. Now I remember everything exclusively in it. What uh, Can you give us an example what uh, what you might have learned on the tape, from the tape? Yes, sir. we went in details about the day of the abduction. There was actually a car out there that was parked, and I told the type of car it was and knew the tag number on the car. That's how detailed it was. And I just briefly seen it. And since then, I've looked the tag number up, and uh, it actually belonged to a couple that was there, and they was parking. He has to see she's in the nursing home right now, and I can't tell you which one, but she has kind of Alzheimer's coming in and out. But she remembers it well, and she she don't want to be, uh, you know, nobody to know it. So I just went, and I've kept it to myself. But I actually looked her up. That's how desperate I was or just wanting to see if the hypnosis worked. But, so what, you, it, what, you, what you're saying to us here is for years and years we thought this was an abduction. The two guys are the only witnesses to it, you and Charlie Hickson. Correct. And now, and now we're learning that there were other people who witnessed the thing and didn't come forward. And we've been able, we, you've been able to find uh, a number of these people. Yes, sir. And it wouldn't surprise me if a few more come forward. Now, you know, every everybody wants their five minutes of fame. I guess not me, but you know, a lot of people do. And it wouldn't surprise me if some come forward that really didn't even see it, or something. But it wouldn't surprise me that some serious ones come forward. You know, my generation's dying off back then. We kind of leaving real quick. And uh, I think everybody wants, kind of like me, they wanted a clear conscience when they go. And I don't want to, I want to know what's happened. I, I still don't know if they come from the moon or wherever they come from. I don't know if it was aliens, but I know something happened and I, I know you know, I, I remember what happened. Real quickly, you said that you've had other sightings or other encounters? Was yes, that correct? Sir. In 1993, I did. And what it was, I, I was fishing, and I had a lot of missing time. And I went out, I was going to be home before dark, because after this happened, I didn't stay out past dark too much. So I got in my boat and I went to Cat Island. It was six miles away. I told my wife, I said, I'll be back before it gets dark so I can see, you know, to come back across. And uh, I remember getting my lunch out, laid it on a bench. And next thing I knew, it was three in the morning. Now, this was 11 o'clock probably that I was trying to eat my lunch. And I come back at three in the morning. And I didn't understand all this missing time. So I had a friend when I got back. I said, you know, the strangest thing happened. He said, look, I've been watching you. And he said, I, I know Bud Hopkins. I don't know him, but I know of him. And he's written a book on missing time. Let's go see him. Well, we was in Mississippi, a 12-hour drive to Florida where, we, where he was. And he was at, a, I guess, a, a convention or something there. I said, no, nah, I'm not going in. I don't want to. You know, I don't want everybody to see me. They might probably don't know me, and I don't really care if they do or not, but I don't want to get caught up in that mess. 
And he went in and told Bud who I was. And Bud said, I'll meet y'all at my room in an hour. And that's yeah. where the hypnosis come around. Yeah, I would imagine Bud would have been right out there to talk to you. <laughs> oh, he did. It was shocking. And like I say, I didn't know him from anybody, but uh, I come to find out later, he was a good man. I mean, he uh, knew what was going on. Um, so this nineteen ninety three encounter, we don't have really time to go into it, but this this was another abduction or another meeting with the aliens or something like that. Yes, sir. Apparently it was, and uh, I'd like to go come back on the show one day and let's get back into it, and because this <laughs> this is another segment altogether. I was going to say that you know we can do more about this uh, this other segment. Uh, learn a little bit more about this, this subsequent abduction at another time. We can set something up like that. That's not a problem at all. I was going to ask you to come back, uh, especially if I can get uh, Philip to send me a copy of the book so I can I can learn a little bit more about what your perspective was on this. Yes, sir. Uh, that would be great. It's all in the book. And, you know, did you, you can read. Did you, you said you didn't stay in touch with Charlie Hickson uh, after this, did you? I've seen Charlie... He asked me to go to Chicago. This is when I met Betty Hill. And he asked me to go to Chicago that he was going to be on a talk show, and she was too. And I knew that if anybody was telling the truth, it was Betty Hill. And the reason I knew this, back in this time, day and time, a white woman didn't marry a black man. It was just unheard of. And if you got enough gumption about you to stand up and tell everybody, and everybody back in, you know, it was pretty strong. I said, that lady's got to be telling the truth. She had some guts. There's no question about that. Oh, she did. And I, I spent three or four days with her. I mean, she, she was a great person. And uh, it helped me to spend some time with her. Helped you get uh, through your trauma from, from the experience? It did. And... Uh, we went up on the mountain where she said they come all the time and all, but I've never seen another one. We've seen a couple of shooting stars. But what it did, it gave us time to talk and visit. And uh, it, I was having a hard time believing myself, much less somebody else. But when I left there, I was 100% convinced that there's no doubt in my mind something happened to her and Barney. Well, Calvin, I got to thank you for taking your time to, to visit with us today. It's been a real pleasure. And as I say, we'll get, I'll, be in, I'll stay in touch and we'll see if we can get another one of these shows arranged where we can learn about your, your second experience. Good deal. And I thank you. And uh, we'll get you a book from Philip over there and we'll get back in another segment on it. <laughs> okay. Sounds good. Thank you very much, Calvin Parker. Thank you. Uh, once again, I'll have uh, stuff up on my blog, www.kevinrandall.blogspot.com. Maybe a little bit more information, other links of where to go to get additional information about this. Next time, with luck, I'm going to have Nick Pope on the program. And the reason I invited Nick on the program was an outgrowth of our my discussion the last time with um, Christopher Montgomery, because people were saying about him that the, uh, he was a, a shill for the Ministry of Defense, and I thought it'd be interesting to talk about that a little bit about how we've experienced those sorts of things, uh, people attacking our reputations, our integrity, simply because they may not like our specific message. And I think uh, what we have to point out is there are many of us 
who are more interested in the truth than expanding our own, I guess, ego or expanding our own notoriety. We simply want to know what's going on. Um, take a look at Roswell in the 21st century because it's a cold case examination of the Roswell case. Uh, take a look at Encounters in the Desert, which is about the Lonnie Zamora sighting, and it'll uh, tell you a little bit more. And as I say, I'll be back with another special edition of The Different Perspective with Nick Pope. Thank you. If you are looking for a safe, zero-calorie, natural option to the harmful artificial sweeteners on the market today, Just Like Sugar is what you're looking for. Just Like Sugar is a wonderful natural alternative for those health-conscious people who choose a calorie-restricted diet with a great, pure, sweet flavor that tastes just like sugar. Just Like Sugar is a great natural option for people suffering from diabetes and may be useful in restricted diet programs where standard sugars are not allowed and does not cause a laxative effect of some other sweeteners. Just Like Sugar comprises a perfect blend of chicory root fiber, natural calcium, natural vitamin C, and Just Like Sugar's sweetness comes from the natural flavors from the peel of the orange. Just Like Sugar is a natural alternative to harmful artificial sweeteners and will change the way that you believe all natural sweetener products taste. Just Like Sugar is available at your local Whole Foods markets, Wild Oats markets, Henry's, Sun Harvest, and many other fine natural food stores in the U.S., Canada, and worldwide. They are here, and they've been here for thousands of years, making their presence known in the shadows. They might be seen by a lonely motorist on a deserted road late at night, or by a frightened and confused husband in the bedroom he is sharing with his wife. But who are they? What do they want? Why are they here? Perhaps most concerning, has the government been aware of their presence all along? The new book by Ellie Marzulli, UFO Disclosure, The 70-Year Cover-Up Exposed, delves into the world of UFOs. Can full disclosure be soon? Order now and receive a free hour and 37-minute DVD on the UFO phenomenon, UFOs Are Real. Get both the book and the DVD, a $40 value, for only $19.99. To order your book and DVD today, go to lamarzuli.net. That's L-A-M-A-R-Z-U-L-L-I dot net. You have heard of the X-Zone? Now watch it on Simo TV, plus 500 video games, live TV channels, free video on demand, worldwide, and more. Does this sound like tomorrow's television? Well, it is, but you can have it today, right now. It is Simul TV. Simul TV offers what the others only wish they could provide 15 exclusive channels like Exxon, Sci Fi, and Horror. We are worldwide. No other provider offers that. 500 built in video games. No need to have an extra expensive system. We have them included. Free video on demand live streaming events from around the world, interactive online network, and much more. Tomorrow's TV today, Simul TV. Sound too good to be true? Well, it's not. You can have Simul TV today. Sign up at simultv.com. Do it today. <laughs> 